Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Thanks as always for checking out this week's podcast, which is uh, one of the finest actors working today, Mr. Jeremy Renner. Uh, I am sitting here in my apartment. Honks are real. I have not added those in post uh, in New York as the New York Film Festival has just gotten underway. I got a chance to see Gone Girl last night, which... If you're a film fan, you are very much looking forward to because it's David Fincher and he is the best. And this film is so wickedly funny, dark, and absurd uh, and riveting. I had not read the book, so uh, I just wanted to give you kind of a sneak peek at Gone Girl before we get into Jeremy Renner today because everybody's going to be talking about this movie. They already are. And uh, it was such a blast to see it. I'm actually going off to talk to the cast today and hopefully at a later date I'm hoping to get... uh, Some of those folks, one of those folks, we'll see for the podcast, so stay tuned for that. But today's podcast, enough about Gone Girl, we can talk about that another time. Today's podcast is with Jeremy Renner, who uh, really came kind of out of nowhere four or five years ago with The Hurt Locker. He's had an interesting career. I mean, we talk about this a bit in the interview today, where he was a working actor. You know, he didn't really become famous or well-known until his mid-30s. Uh, thanks to a very unlikely film in The Hurt Locker, which obviously directed by Catherine Bigelow, went on to win Best Picture, but when it started was a really small movie with no movie stars uh, and has catapulted him into just being Mr. Franchise. He's in the new Mission Impossible. After he was in the last one, he's obviously in Avengers. Hansel and Gretel was getting a sequel, the Bourne movies. Uh, So he's got a lot going on, including the film that we talk about a lot today, which is Kill the Messenger, which I would definitely recommend. This is Jeremy's first producing venture. It is based on a true story. Uh, It comes out October 10th, and it's a It's a really powerful story. It's about uh, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist named uh, Gary Webb, who, if you don't know anything about him, just Google him, go to the Wikipedia page, and you'll be fascinated by his background. He basically wrote this expose, a series of stories about how the U.S. uh, seemed to be actually smuggling uh, cocaine into the U.S., taking the profits to fuel um, the rebels over Nicaragua. So it's a complex, really fascinating tale. Jeremy plays Gary in the film, and he's great in it, and it was a great pleasure to chat with him uh, in this extended conversation. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. As always, hit me up on Twitter, Joshua Horowitz, and uh, review and rate the show, guys. Spread the word of Happy, Sad, Confused. Some amazing guests coming up, including today's. Uh, Please enjoy Mr. Jeremy Renner. Who got you into Twitter and Instagram recently? This feels like not a Jeremy Renner it thing isn't, to do. It isn't. It isn't. It, it's, it's the opposite of who I am. I'm a very private guy. Um, but it, I don't know who ended up getting me into it. I don't. And, but I said um, I'm going to take it as an exercise in life to make an ass of myself <laughs> and be ridiculous. And um, so far, you know, I don't know what I've been doing in a week. I don't, I don't know. Everybody needs an outlet for the sublime and bizarre yeah, part of their personality. Yeah, but why I need to do that on the world stage? I have no idea. <laughs> we need I to guess see all facets of you, Jeremy. I guess that's part of the idea of being ridiculous and, and being a little bit more revealing of myself. Does that, does that kind of counter, though, like everything that... that you know, we've, we've you know, I've talked to many actors over the years, and people like, you know, going back to Nero and going all the way up to people like Leonardo, where it's like they really compartmentalize because they don't want. I mean, it's for a real motive. It's not just about keeping your private life private. It's sure. also you don't want people to bring baggage about. 
absolutely about anything yeah. to a character. It's already hard enough to, to hide in a character anyway. Yeah. Um, if you're known, and then if you have baggage of any sort, then you know, good luck. It's impossible to, to be yeah. able to ask um, audience members to uh, take go on a journey with this character or this actor. You know? Totally. It's, um, so it's yeah, that's one another reason you have to be um, selective and compartmentalize your life. I feel like that was part of the beauty, frankly, of when. You know, obviously you've been a working actor for some time, but when you kind of like went to this, whatever whatever we want to call it, this next level about mm -hmm. five years ago after mm -hmm. Hurt Locker, mm -hmm. and it was like, for a lot of people, it was like, where the where the hell did this guy come from? Yeah, like, this, right? This is like I a, was like the new guy in town after it, 20 years. Exactly. It was awesome. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> that must have been insane to have that, like, I mean, did you have kind of two minds of it? Like, that's great that you're appreciating me, but also like, guys, I've been actually doing this for a while. Where, where the hell were you 10 years ago no, when I needed you? No, it's great. Thanks for appreciating me. I yeah. mean, I, I could take that with me to bed, the other side of that, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's f fantastic to get recognized by your peers, you know, and people you respect. Totally. So, okay, so let's talk about this one, because as I said, um, Kill the Messenger, this is, it's a fascinating true story um, that I frankly knew little about. I mean, everybody's gonna know aspects of the story. I mean, yeah. the first imagery of the film, I mean, touches a chord, I think, with anybody that lived through it, the war on drugs, mm -hmm. this is your brain on drugs. Mm -hmm. um, that imagery was, you know, I think, you know, we're relatively the same age, so I, I know like that made an impact on me as a kid. Sure. Um, give me a sense of sort of your access points of this material. Um, we're pretty much those. I mean, it was the script that came along my way that reminded me of um, you know, the war on drugs and that sort of thing. But the more I researched, I realized, I mean, the less I really did know. And this happened, you know, 70 miles from where I grew up. And um, my only sort of real um, experience with, with, with what Gary uncovered or even what happens in this story is is the a PSA audition in Los Angeles for the, this is your brain on drugs. And I remember just sitting in a chair like this and there's quite an empty room and you're supposed to just tear it apart and just freak out like you're on drugs oh, or something. No. How this old is like your brain like? on drugs. This is like 93 or something. I feel like it was like 93. And I, I didn't get the audition. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> get the job, but I tore the room apart. There right? you go. Yeah. Literally but, uh, tore it apart? You literally like... You literally, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't get the job. <laughs> like, you, not only did you not get it, you owe us $3,000. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably pretty much the case. Yeah. Um, were you always a good? Were you a good auditioner? Do you feel like, like, are you comfortable in that? I space? don't know if I was always a good auditioner. I did, I did end up getting good. Um, I didn't. I don't like the process ever. Even when I was was good at it. Um, no, I, it's uh, it's a, it's an awful way to, I think, ever cast anybody yeah. auditioning. I heard someone t talking about this the other day on the flip side because that's usually what I hear from actors, and I. I could imagine. I mean, I don't thankfully have ever had to do that sort of thing. But like, I heard someone say, like, on the flip side, think of it as an opportunity to to act. Because frankly, a lot of actors don't have much of an opportunity. You need somebody to pay for the cameras and pay for the the production, etc., and just right. use it as a but opportunity. The, but the problem, it's a great great outlook on it. But the problem I always say to that is like, it takes two to do something. Otherwise, you're acting alone or you're monologuing yeah. or something. But you know, it kind of takes two to keep something alive. Yeah. So unless you have you know a great reader in there, it's like, what's the point? What totally. are we doing? So, so going to back to this one, this obviously is not something you auditioned for. This is something that you helped generate. Yeah. So did you come on initially as a producer that was going to develop this for yourself, or was it all fully formed already? Is, I was in the middle of shooting The Avengers, the first one. And uh, I, I was halfway through reading, and I'm like, this is really great. It was at my producing partner read it. And um, he said, dude, you'd be really great in this thing. I'm like, I don't know why this should be on the big screen. So just keep reading, keep reading, finish the thing. So we finished it, and I'm like, okay, well, 
yeah, I need to do this. I, I have to do it now. It's, I see why, and it's important, and uh, it means a lot. Um, and, like, uh, and the more I researched, the more I got hooked into it. And so it became out of more necessity, I had to do the thing. But it's also something that I wanted, I knew was gonna generate a lot of headwind and to, to, no one's throwing money at this to make it. Right. It's not in the studio's vision anymore to make these types of movies, sadly. So I just knew that we had to kind of carry it on our backs and, and um, push it up the hill and to, to get anything going. And we ended up getting a great director and great cast and, yeah. and got it made fairly quickly. It is something of a throwback. I mean, it's the kind of thing that like, I feel like back in the day was like, you know, Alan Pakula would have done it with like Warren Beatty. Like it would have been like like a late 70s kind of like Yeah, it's, it's a thriller. Parallax View and, and uh, all the President's Men and all these sorts of things and throwbacks to movies that I really love. And um, I think it has that, that kind of vibe to it, which uh, I think is great. And you brought along with, so you've obviously worked with the director before. Was that your, your idea to bring him back into the fold for this yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kicked around a couple ideas initially. Um, for for the, for the movie and uh, just like in casting, like things just kind of don't work or aren't fitting quite right. And um, as soon as like Michael popped into my brain and, and he just came off of Homeland, so I'm like, oh, the energy of that show would be so great. And with Kill the Messenger, I'm like, I think that's a really good match. And then him and I working together has always been really terrific. Yeah, this is our third or fourth time going at it. And uh, yeah, so it worked out great. And then his, but he had a lot of passion for the project, so that that he meant so much to me. So we had to do it. It's also interesting. I mean, it's it's not necessarily the time where we see a lot of stories of like journalists as crusading heroes. This is not. It's not necessarily right. the in vogue thing. <clears throat> right. Is that is that part of the challenge of getting? Does it feel like something like, oh God, this is a great story, but is this the right time? Are people going to actually like want to fund this and see this as a viable commercial opportunity? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's. It, there's a lot, it makes it, it's very timely and relevant sort of piece of material at this point where we're at right now. Um, however, I, my focus was on, on Gary Webb as a human and as a man, as a husband, as a father, and then as a journalist and then the story. I had to focus on him as the individual because yeah. um, that's who audiences will connect with. Yeah. And I let Michael focus on the story and the um, uncovering of what the story was one to take a little onus off of a story that's really still never fully been told. So how are we going to tell it in an hour and a half? It's not going to happen. So we didn't want to go down too much Dark Alliance Road, right? Which is the story that you know the series of articles that he that he uh, wrote. Um, so we kind of just enough so people understand what the heck he wrote. So then we understand how people spun it and right. use it against him. And um, obviously. Uh, led him to uh, down some bad, bad, bad road. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting because it's like, you kind of alluded to this before, I mean, it, it almost sometimes becomes a negative when you're talking about a story to call it like, this is an important story to tell, you right, know what I mean? Right. Because frankly, sometimes that can lead to a dry, kind of inert way of storytelling. Right, right. And that's not what you guys did here. You guys right. were able to like make it a very a propulsive thriller that would have like worked even if it was fiction. Right. But is that something, is that a challenge? And is the, again, is that something that, that's on Michael's shoulders and on the screenplay's shoulders for It's you? challenging anytime you're doing anything that's based on a true story and, you, and you're playing a real person or, or someone that did exist. Um, there's accountability and responsibility that for the legacy that he left behind for his family, for for a lot of things. And, there's, and then there's also, you know, you don't want to, we are pointing the finger at a lot of people, but not at any one person or any one entity. It's not sort of anti-government. It's not anti-newspaper. Yeah. It's it's everybody had a part in it. Yeah, and everyone's accountable and responsible for, for their part in it. Some people have stepped up. 
to it for an apology and realizing that he was right. And we also, it was just, just as important for me and us as the filmmakers to show that he was flawed. Yeah. That even though he was right, essentially, he was still flawed in his, in his personal flaws and then also in his writing. If you reread the articles, and um, there's some hyperbole, which leads to misinterpretation and, and other things, but what he said was right, period. Yeah, bottom line, that's the most bottom important Bottom line is yeah. the bottom line. However, um, I, you know, people can run with whatever they run with. Um, we, we honored both sides, just like an investigative reporter should do. It's non-biased and yeah. allow the reader to come up with their own opinion. We do that with the same uh, with the movie, allow the audience member to come up with their own opinions. Were you raised to kind of question authority yourself. We, I just had like a week or two ago on the podcast, I had <coughs> Terry Gilliam who like, you know, is famous for being like, you know, Brazil was so anti-government. His new, his new one is kind of anti-corporation. Um, I, I feel like this, I mean, you know, we're all raised in a different kind of atmosphere. Was like, did your parents kind of like generally raise you think to question the status quo? Uh, I don't know if it was my parents that did that. Um, they taught me a lot, but I think my my obs my observations um, in school and studies and psychology and philosophy sort of that's when I started questioning a lot of things. Was there a, a turning point that you can point to where you remember like okay, maybe what they're teaching me isn't necessarily what I should take at face value? Uh, I, I, that, well, that, when it started, I, maybe when I was seventeen, eighteen, yeah. like when I started college, it's like this is why why am I doing this? Why do I have to do this? And I sort of went from sheep to shepherd, mm -hmm. I think, somewhere around there. And I'm like, you know, this doesn't make way. Why am I doing this? Right. Started really questioning things. So uh, this is the first one that you've produced, correct? The first film? Yes. So, I mean, it says something. I mean, I would think, you know, you've, you've especially in the last four or five years, you've amassed some collateral. You have some chips that you can put on the table right. as an actor, thanks right. to being in some of these very high-profile projects. And sure. I think it says a lot about um, your priorities and the kind of career you're trying to craft, that this is the one to, to start off in. Hang on, sorry, causing. sorry, this, this is important. might be my baby. <laughs> That's a priority, I would think. Yeah, it is. No, no, no it's, it's Twitter, it's Instagram. No, so it's you've not. Got a like. I don't do that. <laughs> um, but no, you're, but you're right, though. Yeah, it, it's, it, it is, it is a, a huge reflection on, on what, what represents me as an actor and also what represents the, you know, the company that we've, we've put together and the, the types of movie that we, that we want to make and the types of actor that I am and um, how that how those collide um, and doing the big movies afford me the time and yeah. the energy and um, to, to be able to, to hopefully get more of these made yeah I'm curious because you know like many like I, the first time I think I ever interviewed you was at the Toronto Film Festival when Hurt Locker first premiered which was I think over a full year before yeah. it went on its crazy Oscar run it was it was a yeah. long journey yep. for you guys. Um, like, with in your perspective on the whole thing, like, do you think you're, are you that much of a better actor now today than you were 12, 15 years ago when you weren't getting the parts you wanted, or is it just about opportunity? Opportunities, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Opportunities, 100%. And so then do you empathize, with, you must empathize with, like, people that you came up with that are still struggling, and for whatever reason it hasn't, the chips yeah. haven't fallen where they wanted them to. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I do, absolutely. So how, how does that inform sort of how you carry yourself? Do you feel sort of like, again, I had a similar kind of conversation with, with Michael Fassbender recently where he's mm -hmm. like, you know, I got to work my ass off now because this is, this is the time I was always hoping to get, the opportunities I was always hoping to get, and I'm not going to let me be the person that 
waste that squanders this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you have that kind of similar kind of outlook where like this is what I always worked for and I'm, by the way, I'm pretty damn lucky to be here? Uh, yeah, I felt like I got, uh, you know, step up to the plate. My number was called and uh, stepped up to the plate to and swing for the fence. And you do that at, at every audition in 92, 93, 94, and then up to whatever it may be. Everything I do is 100% and you get an opportunity and all of a sudden, you know, you got thrown a 76 mile an hour lob and you know, <laughs> knock it out, you know, whatever it might be. So you just, just got to be ready for, for opportunities, you know, and um, uh, I've been very blessed with them and I haven't looked back. How do you, how do you look back at that first decade of a, a lot of work, but a lot of, you know, probably waiting around too for opportunity in L.A.? It's fr frustrating. It was very frustrating. Um, but I was doing something that I love to do and I know that. I think most people in life don't like what they do for a living. Right. It, it, that's why it's called a job, and vacation's a vacation. Yeah. Well, my job is vacation. It's when I don't work. It's when it's the job. Yeah. In a, you know, because I'm unemployed and, and I'm not working. So, um, I feel very blessed to have something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Is it true that, that uh, to make ends meet, at, at some points you were working as a makeup artist too? I was a makeup artist, yeah. When I, there was a, a trade that I learned from really essentially doing stage work in San Francisco and in Modesto, uh, California, and took the skill set and moved it on down to, uh, to L.A. instead of waiting tables and bartending. I was I, A better I, option. I put, I put, I put Closer at least to the work. Huh? Closer at least to the work a little bit. Uh, yeah, I guess. It, it was, <laughs> but I had to work less and I had better hours. I just worked two days in the weekend and it paid for my whole week. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, what were you hoping for then? Like, was, was, the, was the goal then to get <clears throat> on it like a series, to get a film? Like, was it, was it anything that specific? Oh, or, at that time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I first moved to LA, I was very, very um, focused on what I wanted. I wanted it to be uh, in a movie, in a movie that was large enough that it would play in my small hometown, yeah. Modesto. And a, a part that you didn't have to tell you what, uh, that was the guy in the red shirt at the end waving, you know, or pulling his pants down. Right. But, you know, it was, it was a large enough role. And I got, in my very first job, I got all those goals accomplished. I'm like, oh, man. Not that it was easy, but time like, okay, now, now it's time to <laughs> just recalibrate. And then it went to something else. Now I want to make a living and so I don't have to do anything else in life and just earn a living. And if I can raise a family on, on it, now I know I've really made it. So uh, do you continue to set goals? Because I constantly do it. Yeah, I, yeah I'm constantly, I'm constantly setting goals, and I feel like I've, I know I've made it when, and I feel comfortable doing this now, and it's always ever changing. It's so always growing. What's the goal now? You've got like literally three or four franchises, and you're producing your own material. I would think it's tough to like two nominations. Yeah. So what's what's on the goal? Uh, to do this right now? Well, ultimately, it's constantly to be challenged and learn and grow. I'd love to direct something. I'd love to get back to the stage. I would um, want to continue um, producing. There's a, still a handful of movies I still want to be in, and um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it, there's a, there's a there's a lot of lot of road to go. I feel like. Do you do you get competitive about it when like I'm sure you're up for great roles uh, among your peers? If you if you do miss out on a job, do you? Do you punch the wall? Do you do you get angry about it? No, man. More, a little more philosophical <laughs> about it. No, <laughs> I, I don't remember the last time I got angry about a job. Um, uh, and again, it's not I, just I, I, only, I, only get, I only get angry. Yeah, I only get angry when I, I don't see my daughter. <laughs> that's the only time I I, I, I get angry. That's hel that's a, that's a healthier outlet, I would think. Yeah. So what was the, what was the first film that that landed in Modesto then? It was. It's called National Lampoon Senior Trip. <laughs> It was, that's on the AFI top 100 list, I think, of all time. Right? I don't know, quite sure where it is. And 
That's fine. But it was my first job. Were you excited at the time? Heck yes, man. I, I would never want to um, shit on a movie that was such a great thing and a great milestone for me as my, my very first job ever yeah. as an actor. And being a lead in a, a National Lampoon movie, so right on, man. That's I think uh, that's better than most people's first time out of the gate. No, totally, right? totally. Yeah. Uh, I want to hit on a couple other films that, in the filmography, if, if you'll indulge me. One of them that I think is underappreciated uh, was 28 uh, Weeks Later. Oh, uh, yeah. Which, uh, a great filmmaker, Juan Carlos yeah. Fresno love did, Juan Carlos. I, I think he just lived in the shadow of, of, obviously, what Danny Boyle did on the first one, which was remarkable in mm -hmm. its own right. But um, what do you recall of that one? Does that feel like, okay, this is, I'm working with like a special kind of filmmaker this time yeah, around? Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, it was difficult um, shooting that one because there, there was so much action written and he really wanted to try to find humanity. Uh, it was the complete opposite of the first 28, week, 28 days later where it was all humanity and character. Right. And then because it's such a low budget, it, it had a few action sequences. Well, this one is the complete opposite. So we're, we had very little time to create humanity and um, friendships like between Harold Perrineau's character and, my, and mine. And just to, so you cared about the people that were about to be eaten. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. so um, that's where his focus was, and he was he's really great at it and really skilled at it. So um, um, I thought he was very successful with that. Yeah. What was, what was <clears> your <throat> first exposure to, um, quote unquote, you know, a Hollywood filmmaking? Like, I mean, I would think yeah, National Lampoon <clears throat> probably had its own decent budget for that a film of that type. But what, what I mean, I guess SWAT was probably SWAT. One, yeah. Yeah, that was my first sort of studio. And was that, was that sort of an eye-opener in terms of just any aspect of how it was run and what kind of I mean, of I just was? came off Dahmer, and it was just like a $200,000 movie shot in 14 days, and we're done. And uh, I think to shoot SWAT, just one day cost a quarter million dollars. Right. And it's like, oh, this is a very different <laughs> sort of filmmaking process. Right. Um, it, was, it was great. It was eye-opening and uh, cool a ensemble lot. of actors. Cool ensemble of actors. Yes, yeah, still friends with um, them all. It's pretty fantastic. Do you do you learn much from seeing like in in, the, in those days when you're seeing quote unquote superstars, A-list actors, whatever you want to categorize them at the time? Like I know obviously you worked with Charlize and on North Country, and, mm -hmm. and she's you know a gas and a half obviously to be yeah. around. I know you're friendly yeah. with her. Yeah, yeah. Um, to see the way they carry themselves on a set and the way that they kind of like. Um, dictates sort of how the environment of a set. Yeah, I mean, it gets, I learned a lot from, you know, uh, the guys like Colin Farrell that was coming up around that time during SWAT and then and then Charlize. Uh, a lot of things happening for her and, and to learn what to do and not to do. Uh, in my own opinion, in my observations of, of them um, as my friends on and off set, as professionals, um, I, I learned like wonderful um, things from Colin, um, how he treated everybody the same with great respect, no matter if you're the president or a homeless guy in the street. Right. Um, I don't know if that was because he was drunk the entire time. <laughs> that was a different no, period of his life. <laughs> <laughs> different Colin Farrell today. <laughs> but Colin now, you know, he's, 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 he's come around. He's, yeah. uh, he's manifested a, a lengthy uh, chunk of uh, material and career um, now, and he, which uh, for a lot of people would just it just disappeared. Yeah, and apparently doing True Detective next season. Yeah, which, which is, is very cool. Yeah, amazing. Justin Lin. Um, yeah, gonna be doing that, which is very, really exciting. So, um, as what are the what are the things not to do then, that you've learned from watching? Yeah, like, you know, yeah, letting, <laughs> <laughs> you know, going down that road and like, you know, gotcha. <laughs> what do you remember about Miami Vice? I remember it was a rap. <laughs> it was a hell of a rap party. It was a hell of a rap party. <laughs> like, what really? <laughs> <laughs> what not to do? Yes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, uh, it's uh, 
everyone has their own plight, but yeah. I, I never was in danger of ever going down that kind of road. But, yeah, um, teach their own. The, the, the last few years, obviously, I, you know, I alluded to this before. You've got a, you have the privileged position of being in in films like Kill the Messenger, but also these these crazy ginormous franchises which have great filmmakers attached to them too. Was there was there a concern when you kind of started, you know, getting involved in Bourne and Mission and Avengers? Like, is there franchise fatigue? Should I only do one or two of these? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, yes, there there was. To be honest, I signed on to Avengers first, but there's a critical order that happened there. It's, it was and it happened very fast. And so I was signed on for the Avengers for a good year before we were going to shoot this thing. And I was still trying to get a couple independent movies made. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go play Hawkeye. I'm like, I like this, this cool character, that's gonna be very exciting. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And then these movies just weren't happening, weren't happening, and all of a sudden I go to meet J.J. Uh, Abrams for Super 8. Is that what it was? Does anybody remember Super I, I 8? I read that, that's, yeah, 8. that sounds right, yeah, yeah. And I love J.J. Abrams and smart, smart guy and was really excited to go meet and talk with him about this movie. So I met and talked with him and, and I read the script there and with bodyguards watching over <laughs> me and all this stuff and gave him the script and walked back. And I had, to, I had to figure out a way to tell him that there, there wasn't enough there for me. I don't think I'm the right guy for this right. part, whatever. This was like the dad role, right? The Kyle yeah, Tamar the dad role. role. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, ah, this, this, that's not quite right for me. And before I could even sit down and tell him that it wasn't gonna, I couldn't do his, his movie, he was like, what do you think of Mission Impossible? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I want to hear everything you, you want to think about my movie. I want you to be in my movie. But what do you think of Mission Impossible? I'm like, why? It's a, it's, that's, a, that's a great movie. I like it. It's fun. I'm like, Tom's great. That's your question. Like, yeah, What's going want, on here? Do you, want, do you want to go meet Tom right now? I'm like, okay, yeah. Let's go meet him. And so he's over in Paramount. I'm in Santa Monica, so it's quite a distance to travel. <laughs> so I drive over there and meet him and sit down with Tom, like literally talk with them for 10 minutes and saying, you got to do this movie. There's no script, but you got to do this movie. I'm like, why? And it was a strange experience and um, interesting meeting. And I leave that, and they're all like, so we're doing it? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> it's the strangest sure. day of my life. I'm not really sure. I'll see you later. <laughs> and then by the time I get home, I'm on my motorcycle, and get off my helmet, and the phone rings. It's Tom calling me at the house. I'm like, it's weird. Tom Cruise is calling me at home. It's so weird. <laughs> hey, Tom, how are you? He's like, so we do this right or you do it? Come on, we doing this? I'm like, yes, we're doing it. We gotta do it. Okay, we'll do it. <laughs> Will you stop calling me if yes. I say yes? <laughs> So then all of a sudden, now I'm signed on to do three Mission Impossible movies with Tom. And I'm like, okay. That was all within, I went in for Super 8 <laughs> two hours ago. And then now you know, I'm doing that is three amazing. movies in Mission. Okay, great. And that's what I'm going to shoot first. This is before um, Avengers, even. Avengers yeah. even is happening. But then Hansel and Gretel comes around. Right after that, a week later, so they, 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 we found a Gretel and a thing, and that happened. Like So we got to squeeze that in, in between that and the Avengers. Now, while I did Mission, and now I'm in the middle of shooting Hansel and Gretel, they call and say, Born, you're looking to do another Born. I'm like, well, yeah, that's awesome, but now? The timing is real shit, man. I'm, <laughs> this is, I'm tired. Could you all calm down for one second? I still have to do second. the Avengers, and like, then I want me to do what? I'm like, no, man, that's not fair. Why you need to come to me first? Why didn't you come to me first with that? <laughs> so now I had to like tell them ultimately like I need some time to think. Yeah. And I so I told them no. And like just give me some a moment to like I have to like consider like my life here for a second because you know it's hard That's to think about shift, what you're yeah. doing tomorrow, let alone in six years. I had to like when you have an, an Avengers conversation, you're talking about like signing up for like seven movies. Totally. This is just how they do things. And I'm like, hold on, seven, seven. What am I, fifty-five in tights for God's sakes? <laughs> 
I haven't even seen think, a costume I yet. I can't think about those things, man. And I, I don't want to think about what I look like. I'm never gonna have another piece of things. cake. That's right. It's gonna be, like, I don't know, orange in a tube sock. That's not a good look, man. <laughs> it's terrible. So you don't think about those things. Right. You think about, oh yeah, of course. I love to play hawk. Of course I want to do porn. But like, hold on. They want to still continue those things. <laughs> and you have to be able to perform in those things. And uh, I might have been a little greedy. I was like, oh, that's why I said, like, hold on. The obvious answer is like, F yes, sure. I need to do this. I want to do this. But let me be re responsible and accountable to my own life. It's like, what am I really giving up here? Especially when it came to the born part. Because Avengers, I knew I was going to be an ensemble. Mission, I was in an ensemble. But you'd be the guy. Hans from I wasn't sure what that was going to be anyway. Mm -hmm. So this is the one who's like, this is the dude. Like, this is going to be like, you're the face now. So I'm like, okay, I have to really like consider what my life is now, because right. I'm now signed away, a good decade away. But it all sort of worked out, and I <laughs> calmed down and talked to everybody, and they all said, you're an idiot, do it. Right. And I said, of course, I know, I just need to like vent here for a second, as I just did on you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it all, that's how it all kind of came about, and they, you know, they're all continuing, and it's just great. It's it all crazy. Turned out, it all turned out great, and, um, and it affords me to go do smaller movies and uh, a lot of other things in life. I would, th I would think also, I mean, part of that, that venting and, what, and that, 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 that frustration is also, it must be frightening even with something like Hawkeye, you signed on for that without seeing a script. I mean, like, on, on most and Mission too, all it these, like. All these, I think, yeah, Mission as well, and um, Hansel and Gretel is the only one that there was a script. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little, little terrifying signing away, um, but you, you just have to entrust. Yeah. And it worked out for me. Got lucky. Do you do you learn something from the experience of Avengers? I know you got you got a lot of flack, or at least a lot was made of like comments afterwards that maybe it wasn't the part at least you were hoping for. The yeah, first time yeah. Around. Well, I mean, exactly that that what Joss and I and even in, um, uh, Feige and I initially talked about, and then Joss and I have been friends for a very long time. What we initially talked about with Downey and Ruffalo, um, sort of where he wanted to go with the script. Ultimately, like Joss. I think was realizing that he's doing the impossible and having to write, you know, uh, the Avengers. I mean, that is an impossibility. Yeah. And, he, and he pulled it out. And the only way he could do it and have me in the movie uh, with any sort of sizable part is to, you know, be the bad guy, essentially, right. and be a not Hawkeye. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a tough introduction to the character, so it's not what we talked about. Um, and it got me excited about doing the movie. But that's fine. Um, I again trusted him, and um, and then we got to put it now in the second one. So you feel so, like you, you've now actually yeah, we got, played the Hawkeye pretty, pretty you wanted to play. Pretty, pretty much what we talked about for the first one is really what we we're able to put got into it. the second one, and and tenfold. It even has more weight, and uh, it's great because of it. I think. Would you even want having had that conversation about all these franchises? Would you even want a solo Hawkeye film, or are you happy to have him in an ensemble? I, I'm happy to be in the ensemble. I I'm not scratching and clawing for to do a solo movie by any means. I think he's a utility guy that can bounce around into other people's universes yeah. a little bit, um, especially like Cap. Um, three. <laughs> I've heard, I've, I've read, I've read about this, <laughs> yeah. I've heard. I'm not saying anything else. <laughs> yeah, but there's whispers of that. Yeah. Um, so who knows, man. Would you, are you rooting for uh, Joaquin to do Doctor Strange? How crazy would I, that be? I think that would be pretty awesome. I mean, how amazing would that be? I think I think it would be pretty awesome. Have you talked to him about it? Because you worked with him. I, I I have I have there's been there's been whispers of that as well. 
<laughs> I never know the answers or the outcomes of things, but I, I heard about the ideas, and those are also very exciting. Yeah. yeah. When you're, um, you mentioned that crazy meeting with, with Cruz, and I kind of alluded to this when I talked to Simon Pegg. It, just from my side of things, interviewing someone like Tom, he's crazy charismatic, which is of yeah. course the understatement of like the century. Of course he would be, he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. But he's also so hands-on as a producer, and I would mm -hmm. think that's, again, we're talking about people to emulate and to learn from watching, both in how they carry themselves on a set, how they yeah. treat others. Yeah, he's got to be the gold yeah, standard, that's right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, that was a huge thing for me, because that was my first movie in those series of franchises, right? Just yeah. before Avengers and all that. And being around Tom, I, I learned a lot. And you know, this is a guy who's been on top of his game for a very long time. And by, again, just by observing and watching him, what to do and things like what I w couldn't do. Um, but he, how he was so commanding on a set and inspiring other people to be the best they can be on a set was a really amazing thing. So I really ripped a lot of that off because um, no one really teaches you how to do that. And then when you're sort of number one on the call sheet and you generate the tone and pace yeah. for it. So when it came time for me to go do uh, Born Legacy, I mean, we're, I was on it. And, and I set the tone and pace for how the day was going to go yeah. and how the shoot was going to go. And I didn't know that we had that or allowed that or could do that, but certainly can generate and motivate people to do it. And, I feel like people like wait for like the actor, like, oh, they're going to come out of the trailer. What are they doing? Right. Are they going to look at are me in the eye or not? Are they yeah, gonna... <laughs> yeah. No, we just go out. We do it and work yeah. hard and people just kind of follow and like, it's great. What about on something where, again, you're literally the producer too on Kill the Messenger. Are you able to, because you were saying this before, like, I mean, you have a tough job to do. This is not like a hundred day shoot, I, I'm sure. And this is a big yeah, acting challenge and yeah. that's enough to have on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Do you leave the rest of it? to others once you're on set? I kind of had to, yeah, we, I, again, surrounded myself with really great people. Yeah. From Naomi and my, my business partner, Don Hanfield, and Scott Stuber, and then we had Michael Cuesta. If you have a great team, then you can easily just rely on them so I can go focus and take the producer head off and just be in every scene in this movie, right? right? right. Um, I did still go home and try to watch dailies if I could, um, but ultimately I had to, like, you know, I get to learn my lines for the yeah. next day. <laughs> right. you don't want and to then the some other actor was like coming in. I mean, we had a, a tremendous uh, pool of talent that came in every it's day crazy. to that makeup yeah. trailer on Kill the Messenger that, um, you know, had to be ready. Because um, I know they were going to be ready. So uh, it's important to, to, to get up and get ready for them every morning. Do you, do you have something in mind that you want to direct? You said you, that's on the list. Um, if I did, it would be something smaller, something intimate, I think. I, I don't know what it would be, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's so cool to see, like, again, like, like all these, like, even just looking at the Avengers cast, like, again, to see sort of like everybody cashing their chips in the right way. I just spoke to Chris about his directing yeah. debut, too. Mm -hmm. And just to see, like, it's obviously part of the algorithm, part of the, the mindset, and it should be. Like, you, you know, you have to kind of, like, you know, when you've got the juice, use it for good. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, so, so is, is, I know there's been a lot of talk as we tape this in, in the last couple of weeks about Bourne, mm -hmm. uh, obviously with your own one, but also Matt potentially coming back. Or what, are, what are you yeah. hearing on your end? Yeah, I hear all those things. I think it's all great. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's doing both. It's awesome. Why not? Because ultimately, I think, in, where I'm sitting, I think Universal's like, ah, yes, the, Mar <laughs> the Marvel world. All of a sudden, we got, you know, really sort of, you know, highbrow version of, you know, kind right. of putting, you know, people together. It's not, you know, Godzilla versus Mothra. It's like, you know, <laughs> Bourne versus Aaron, or are they together, or are they against each other, or for each other? I don't know what it is, but it creates an environment for yeah. them that, that can do something like that. 
And um, so I think Born Legacy did open up the world that, that way for them. So I think it's very exciting. I, lo I love uh, Greengrass and, and Damon, and um, I'd love to do something with them. See, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I, and I'm all for that too, just as a fan of seeing those kind of worlds collide in this massive world building. I also worry, just as a film fan, it feels like every studio is trying to create oh, worlds sure, where they're not. Right? Like, people just like, like let it organically happen. And this makes sense for right. Born, I think, what you guys were able to accomplish right. last time. Right. And Star Wars, of course, it makes sense. But right. not everything needs to have like <laughs> no. spin offs and backstories Good. and prequels. Like, that's, you know, the state of the business that we're in. Yeah. And it's, um, it's tough. That's why. Thank goodness for... Kill the Messenger. Kill the Messenger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, are you consuming? I see you're obviously very busy. Do you, do you watch a lot of TV? Not a lot, no. No? no. Haven't been able to, to binge on these kind of short form things. At least that's the, that's the beauty at least. It's like you can, if you can at least carve out five or ten hours, you can at least get through a series when back in the day you need like 24 hours. Yeah, right. Hours. That's, that's, that's fun. I was, I was able to do that with um, the House of Cards, actually. Really that was good. great because I would never have gotten to see... Um, any of these kind of shows, yeah. But it's nice to be able to do it, put it out. Like going like as a kid, were you were you like a, a film buff, or did this come kind of come I, later to appreciate? I don't sort know, of buff. I mean, what was I watching as a kid? Is Rosemary's Baby and um, Jason and all those? What are they? You're, you're a traumatized child. What yeah, you yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this explains a lot. <laughs> Et I think my very first movie ever was Reds. That's I don't uh, know if you remember Reds. Of course I that's do. That's not a kids movie. I think I saw it when I was like nine or. That's a double cassette. Some, That's a double video cassette. Yeah, I remember. it was a long night. The movies. <laughs> Do you understand was, what the hell was happening? No, I know. I was throwing like juju bees at the screen and, <laughs> and red hots and spitballs. I'm like, we're so bored. <laughs> You're like, I could have watched three Freddy movies in the time I watched Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton. <laughs> I think Stop it was my, revolution. I think I had a, there was a sleepover or something at my buddy's house, and then the parents wanted to go out and whatever. We got we got dragged along. <laughs> Have you ever done, you've never done horror that I can think of off the top of my head? No, I mean, the closest thing would be, I guess, um, 20 weeks later or a, right. um, um, Dahmer, if you want to call <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those, but those aren't horror, ultimately, so. W was Dahmer the first time that you were the, the guy, the lead? Yeah, that it was. What was that first day on set like when you were, when you arrived in? It's... Uh, it was terrifying. Um, it was creepy. <laughs> I mean, I, well, because you didn't want to know what I did to prepare for that. Well, now I do want to know. Yeah, no, man. <laughs> it's like... Was it like, videos you were watching, or were you actually doing things to people? I, no, I was yeah, having to walk around naked and like, masturbate to cross-sections of humans. It was weird, man. Really? I had to do some weird things to, like, go to the depths... You know, I was committed to my job. You don't need to be that committed, dude. I didn't, I, look, I didn't go kill anybody. I'm not like a method or anything. I, but I had to emotionally go to places that were um, quite terrifying. You yeah. know, it's like to really to get into the idea of uh, of that that guy's head. You know, it was a. But yeah, it was a. It was a quick two weeks of my life that just kind of snapped right. by. I'm like, we just shot a movie. The, oh wow! Does, does that approach change? Are you still? Do you still feel the need to like be as committed in that way to go to some weird it, it places depends if on you the have role. to? It depends on the role. It depends on the uh, the material and um, all, all a lot of things. But every every role role is just as challenging, just in different ways. Yeah. Uh, I hope this was a, a nice respite from from the four minute interviews of, of, of the junket world. Yeah, absolutely, it was well, a conversation. This is nice. You <laughs> it's, know? A, it's a novel idea in promoting a film <laughs> to actually converse with a human being and interact and to hear the other person and to say stuff back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for me too. Believe me, I don't understand what we're doing here. Um, no, it's always good to see you, man. And I'm I'm really happy for you. This is a great. It's a great acting performance, but it's a it's a great film period. So yeah, thank you. Proud of it, man. Yeah, very very. I'm very proud of it. Good I'm very you. proud that the family, that the Webb family is. Um, 
is very proud of it. So it's all kind of downhill for me from there. I think. Yeah, it's got to be an yeah. emotional experience the first time. Yeah, there. yeah. I'll see them at the premiere as well. So I'll see how that goes. It's gonna be pretty, pretty emotional, I think, for me. Good stuff, man. Uh, back yeah. to work. Back to Morocco or something for you. I That's guess. right. <laughs> More lunges. There you go. Good to see you. Yeah, baby. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>